0: And opinions on the following program are not necessarily those of the staff and management of Oldies 1079, WOLD, or SRN Communications. It's time now for Here's the Thing, a show that's all about you with your host, Lauren Cardinal, a board-certified hypnotist and results coach. If you're looking to make a positive change this year, learn lifelong tools to reduce stress and be present. If you're stuck and need to remove the blocks that are from success and happiness in the areas of your life, or if you want to get a new perspective on things, well, it's time to talk to Lauren Cardinal. To talk to Lauren, call 732 748 1079. That's 732-748-1079. And now, here's your host, Lauren Cardinal.
1: Good evening, and thank you for joining me for Here's the Thing. I am Lauren Cardinal, your host. Is it time for change? If you want to change your life, it starts with changing your mind. I work with my clients using hypnotherapy, coaching, and a variety of other approaches to help them change from the inside out. So thank you for listening and welcome. I'm grateful to those of you listening live on 107.9 FM or online right now. And to the Sussex County listening audience at 97.5. And thank you to my podcast listeners far and wide. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Do you feel guilty taking time for yourself? Do you feel guilty buying something nice for yourself? Do you feel like every moment of your life should be productive? What about saying no to something you really don't want to do? What's your guilt level in that? How much does should enter your vocabulary or weigh on your mind? What about your resentment if you go ahead and say yes to something you really don't want to do? What about your guilt as it relates to taking care of family members? As defined, guilt is the fact of having committed a specified or implied offense or crime. An implied offense or crime. But, on the other hand, what about the fact that guilt is frequently viewed as a virtue, as a high sense of responsibility and morality? It makes me wonder, how is your guilt serving or hindering you? Guilt, it's, it's one small word that's been so widely misunderstood. Guilt is, first and foremost, an emotion. You may think or understand guilt as a good way to get some, someone to do something for you out of a sense of obligation. You may not even realize you're doing it sometimes. If that's the way your family or your parents got you to do something, chances are very good that you do the same thing and may not even recognize it as trying to motivate through guilt. But guilt's not a very good motivator. It's more accurate to think of guilt as an internal state. It's in the category of negative feeling states. It's one of the sad emotions which include agony, grief, and loneliness. And tonight, we'll be talking about the one two punch of guilt and resentment how they show up, what you might experience mentally and emotionally, and what you can do about it to start making changes. First off, tonight's show is brought to you by North Star Asset Management, their investment advisors located in Panther Valley with over 30 years of investment experience. You can check them out online at www.nstarinvest.com. They've been helping people create long-term success with their financial plans for over 30 years. They help them by choosing the appropriate withdrawal rate. And if you're at a distance and you're not sure if they're in their service area, you can reach out to them and ask for John or Andrew, and they may be able to come to you. For more information, call 908-850-9991. That's 908-850-9991. Or, again, find them online at www.nstarinvest.com. Now, my last show was about manipulation and the narcissist. Chances are that you've encountered a narcissist But sometimes the signs of narcissism are a little bit more nuanced. Not always as obvious as we would think. And a certain amount of narcissism is in all of us. And it's actually healthy. It is possible to have some traits of narcissism without having a clinically diagnosed disorder. But it's when narcissism starts to have a serious negative impact on everyday life and relationship that it becomes an impairment outside of the normal. And I talked about how to tell if you have a narcissist in your life and what you can do about it. If you want to know more about what was discussed on the show, or if you'd like to hear it again, you can find that podcast as well as all of the podcasts of my previous shows on my website. That's www.laurencardinal.com. And again, I'd like to welcome the Sussex County listening audience to the show on WRSK 97.5, broadcasting from Sussex County Community College on Saturday mornings, from 9 to 10 a.m. The shows are recorded live on Monday nights from 7 to 8 at WOLD 107.9. So for my Sussex County listeners, if you'd like to listen live or call into the show, the live shows are Monday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. You can listen to the show on the Internet at WOLDradio.com or through the TuneIn Radio app on your phone. So now on with the show. You're listening to Here's the Thing. I'm your host, Lauren Cardinal, board-certified hypnotist and results coach. And tonight we're talking about guilt and resentment and working through them to get to the other side. If you experience guilt or resentment, particularly that which you experience on a daily basis or that affects how you move through your life, the lines are open at 732 1079, that's 732-748-1079. So, when do you feel guilty? What things provoke your feelings of guilt? Guilt is an unpleasant feeling for certain. It's a feeling of remorse. And people who have strong feelings of guilt may experience pain as a result and may also find that their guilt affects their attitude, their relationships, their daily actions, and their outlook on life. And this is different from conscience. Conscience is more about the sense of right or wrong within an individual. It's the conscience of someone that may let themselves be more prone to feelings of guilt or not. And how guilt may be somewhat beneficial is that it plays a major role in moral behavior and can encourage people to follow ethical codes and social norms because the idea is that people are better able to feel empathy for others and take responsibility for their actions and make amends to apologize because there are some theories, some psychologists out there, psychiatrists, that believe that guilt is beneficial We hear a lot about guilt not serving us, shame not serving us, and even talked about a little bit about that last week, um, guilt and shame. So what are some ways that guilt might be beneficial? Well, in terms of the social norms and culture, it can help us by making us more aware of the ethical codes and the social norms so that we can feel empathy and take responsibility and apologize when necessary. But if the guilty feelings last for a long time they can lead to anxiety, they can lead to sadness, they can lead to depression they can lead to self-loathing and there's a part of me in thinking about the association with guilt and anxiety that I wonder about that linkage with uh, soldiers who have been at war and the guilty feelings that they may have. And even back to the show about sleep, where it was something like 60 or 70% of uh, veterans who suffer from PTSD also have sleep disorders. It all seems very interrelated to me. Does it to you? The guilt, anxiety loss of sleep, possible depression. I mean, all of these things obviously would need to be diagnosed by a medical professional or therapist. But the linkage seems to be there to me. So guilt is also often linked with shame. And again, we talked a little bit about that last week. That Last week it was that a certain amount of shame was beneficial or could be beneficial. But in either case, and according to research, a little bit of either of them or guilt or shame delivered appropriately. And that's the key, delivered appropriately can be of benefit. Either of them when applied to thinking about oneself, either, you know, a good person or a bad person, as opposed to good or bad behavior. When it's done when it's um, delivered in a way that's talking about the person, that's absolutely not beneficial. So what about different cultures? Some cultures encourage more guilt and shame than others, right? Have you experienced this? A person in one culture may feel guilty about a behavior that a person in another culture wouldn't even notice. So, some examples of guilt. I think examples that we could all relate to at different points in our lives. A person who files for a divorce may feel guilty because it conflicts with his or her value of commitment. As we mentioned before, taking time for yourself. And I'm not sure, I think I mentioned it last week, but it came to my attention that. There's almost a difference between the East Coast and the West Coast as far as taking care of yourself, taking time for yourself. That it seems more predominant, at least on the East Coast, that taking time for yourself invokes more guilt that it should all be productive time. Whereas on the West Coast, there's more of a feeling that taking time for yourself is a good thing. It's healthy. It's what we should be doing. Um, I also had a speaking engagement on Friday morning I was speaking to the group and one of the individuals, li- a woman had mentioned that she does feel guilty taking time for herself, even buying something for herself, as if every moment just sitting down for a moment should actually be productive time, which I thought was very interesting. So another example is saying no at work or at home. and. When we do things, sometimes it is out of fear when we say yes to things, that fear of judgment, of criticism, or of not being liked. In those cases, if we were to say no, that is when guilt is felt. For the instances when we're giving freely because we want to, and to not do that whatever, or to say no, does not have the guilt attached to it. Does that make sense? Do you understand that difference? Another example is a child who is a victim of abuse. May have feelings of guilt over the abuse because he or she believes that he or she did something wrong and was therefore responsible for the abuse. Another example might be a parent or child who is estranged from his or her parent or child and may experience fer- feelings of guilt, believing that he or she didn't try hard enough to maintain that connection. Another example is a senior person who looks back on his or her life and may feel guilty for certain things that he or she didn't accomplish or try to accomplish. I just feel like there are a whole bunch of the former shows, previous shows coming all together here, um, Things, f- thoughts floating through my mind. But I am told that Jerry is on hold. Jerry is a caller from previous shows. And many of you who have been listening regularly are familiar with Jerry and his story. So he's on hold and uh, wants to give us an update. So, Jerry, are you there?
2: Yes, I am, Lauren. How are you? Hi,
1: Jerry. Good. How are you?
2: Well, as you know, Wednesday I'll I'll be going in the carrier clinic. And they're going to be trying to treat everything at the same time. Okay. And I really, we've talked before, but off the air, but I really want to say this publicly. You, thanks for listening to your show, I have an altogether different look, even inside of myself.
1: Wow. Thank you, Jerry.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm looking at things differently. How are things looking at things
1: differently right now? What was the
2: change? Well, it's like, you know, it's with more hope. Hmm.
1: That's great. You know, I I don't know if um, it's evident to listeners, but you sound different.
2: Well, like I said, you made me, actually you inspired me to look at a lot of things differently. Not commercially, but differently.
1: That's great. That's what it's about. And I love your word choice of inspire because that really is the intention, the inspiration.
2: I, like because I said, people uh, can only
1: help themselves, right, Jerry?
2: Yeah, well, like I said, I listen to you. Uh, even when I don't call in, I listen. And I, by listening to you, I've learned a lot. Actually, about me. Mm. That I really didn't know. Right? That I kept hidden. I mean, very few people have ever, you know, got known what was going on inside my head. hmm. But thanks to you, like I said, I have some idea. And, like you, uh, thanks to your inspiration. And your talks and everything else, um, it, it, just like I said, it inspired me to, instead of going commercially, because anybody can go to a, a, a mental health ward and get uh, treated commercially, but it's to look outside the box, to think outside mm-hmm. the box. Mm-hmm. With no answers. We didn't have a look before.
1: So where have you looked? Well, I've
2: been like a revolving door ever since I got in service. Uh, it's like a revolving door, you know, in the hospital, out the hospital, in the hospital, out the hospital. It was a complete revolving door. Mm-hmm. And like I said, listening to your show, I got to look, looking at things very differently. I mean, I see, I even see the world differently.
1: Wow. That's amazing. It really like is I said, amazing. I'm looking
2: forward to, go, to my treatments. They are going to, carry did say they're going to hit my uh, anxiety and depression and um, my insomnia with everything they got.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. You feel positive about the help that they're going to be giving you?
2: Yes, I am of fact, from what I heard, when I checked them out, Carrie is the best in the in the uh, state.
1: Fantastic! That's important that you feel confident about. So I'm, I'm the confident, care that confident. Care that I'm going to
2: get the best care there there is possible.
1: That's great, and that's Wednesday you go there. Yes, I do. This Wednesday, I'll be in there for okay. at
2: least uh, ten days.
1: Okay, and will you be able to communicate?
2: Yes, I can. Outside uh, I of that? I I will. Yes, I okay. will. Okay.
1: So I hope you'll keep in touch.
2: Well, I've got, you know, I will definitely keep in touch. You, you should know that. Uh, I mean, like I said, I wanted to, I know I, I thanked you before, but it was off the air. But I yes. wanted to take the time to thank you again on the air.
1: You are very welcome, Jerry.
2: For what you, you
1: what you've taught me. You're very welcome, and thank you. And I look forward to keeping up to date on all of your accomplishments and your progress along the way. So I'm looking forward to you staying in touch.
2: I will definitely be in touch. Great. Okay. And uh, all right. I, like I said, I just wanted to take a few minutes to thank you
1: publicly. I appreciate that. Really do. Okay, Jerry. So um, okay. look forward to the updates, and um, yeah, enjoy the rest update. of your evening.
2: I, I will. Thank you. Great.
1: Take care, Bye-bye. Jerry. Bye. What a great call. So nice keeping in touch with Jerry. Uh, I have spoken with him a few times off the air, so um, have been keeping in touch with him, and he did mention that he was going to call tonight. Uh, so it's great news. Great that he's Investing in himself and getting the help that he needs and feeling confident. It's really important to have that type of relationship with any of your caregivers, which we've talked about before. That trust, that rapport, that confidence. Because you can feel it. You can feel it. You know when uh, when that connection is good. So it's great. He's uh, getting what, he's, what he needs. Fantastic. So... Tonight, getting back to the topic, we're talking about guilt and resentment. I know it's a, a big shift right there, um, but I do want to get back to a couple of the things that I that I have that I want to make sure I get across tonight. So, I gave the examples of different ways we can feel guilty, and our thoughts are what cause the emotions. The guilt emotion follows directly from the thoughts that you're responsible for someone else's misfortune, whether it's the case or not. People who experience guilt on a chronic basis mistakenly suffer under the illusion that they've caused other people harm. And this negative emotion follows their tendency to misinterpret what happens to them rather than questioning the logic Of their own conclusions and according to some theories if you change your thoughts you change your emotions now as a hypnotherapist I do believe that but I feel like we can add another level to that in that you change your beliefs which changes your thoughts which changes your emotions then your behaviors resulting in a different experience in your daily life So maybe that is one or two more levels. But it's the progression of it. And it starts with the beliefs. The thoughts you think, you absolutely can change your thoughts. And that's where affirmations can come in, too, to changing your thoughts. Because the affirmations almost work backwards in changing your beliefs, as does hypnotherapy. I've mentioned before that I think of hypnotherapy as affirmations on steroids. It's a really big boost um, and quick to change the beliefs so that the thoughts that you think and that you choose to think are easier to think in the direction that you want to go. We're giving our crew members new jobs if you go back to the show about anxiety. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Here's the Thing. I'm your host, Lauren Cardinal, board certified hypnotist and results coach. And tonight we're talking about guilt and resentment and working through them to get to the other side. If you experience guilt or resentment, particularly that which you experience on a daily basis, or if it affects you and how you move through your daily life, just reach out. The lines are open at 732-748-1079. I would bet that any experience that you're having with guilt or ex- resentment is being experienced by somebody else that can relate to what you're, what you're saying, what you're experiencing. Uh, the line, number again is 732-748-1079. And basically, in the reading and the research that I've done, it comes down to guilt being of five different types. And if we talk about those five different types of guilt, more importantly, we'll talk about how you can cope with the guilty feelings when they come your way. And these five causes of guilt are from what I read uh, by a Ph.D. guy, his name is Guy Winch. And guilt cause number one is being feeling guilty for something you did. The most obvious reason to feel guilty is that you actually did something wrong. And that could involve harm to others, like physical or psychological pain. You might also feel guilty because you violated your own ethical or moral code, like cheating, lying, or stealing. Guilt over your own behavior can also be caused by doing something you swore you would never do again. And in each of those cases, there's no doubt that the behavior occurred. It's appropriate to feel guilty when you've done something wrong. And feeling the emotion of guilt for an action deserving of remorse is normal. To not feel guilty in those cases might be a sign of... um, Psychological problems, psychopathy. I don't know that that's the the usual case. Uh, The problems occur when you ruminate over the guilt. An action in the past can't be changed no matter how much you wish it would. So it's a matter of, yes, trying to move past it by accepting that it happened. And making amends. Apologize to the person or persons that you harmed, if that's the case. And then figure out how to avoid committing that same act in the future. And please remember that we often assume that others place far more importance on our thoughts and actions than they actually do. A behavior that you might be tormented by guilt over, like inadvertently insulting a friend, may hardly even be noticed by them. So taking that into consideration, too. And guilt cause number two. Guilt for something you didn't do, but you want to. You're thinking about doing something that doesn't line up with your moral code. Or engage in behavior that's dishonest or unfaithful or illegal. And this is a tough type of guilt to handle because it's true that you didn't actually commit the act. So you're still sitting on the high moral ground. However, we all know that The very fact that you're contemplating an act that violates your own standards can be as guilt-provoking as the actual act, right? And guilt cause number three. Guilt for something you think you did. Much of the unhappiness we experience is due to our own thoughts about situations, whether it's rational or not. If you think you did something wrong, you can experience almost as much guilt as if you actually committed the act. Possibly even more. One fairly typical source of guilt is that belief that you can jinx people by thinking about them in a negative or hurtful way. And perhaps if you've wished that a rival would experience some evil twist of fate or something, if something happens to that person, you may at some level believe that it was due to your own vengeful thinking, your vengeful wish. And at some level you know you're being illogical, but it's hard to rid yourself completely of the belief. We also know that memory of past events can be highly flawed. It's possible for you to have done nothing wrong at all, but to misremember something and think you did. Particularly when there are highly highly charged feelings involved. And in those cases, you hold on to those guilt. Those guilty feelings, and may even relive the experience. Guilt cause number four is that you didn't do enough to help someone. Perhaps you have a friend who's ill, or who's caring for you're caring for an ill, Ill relative, and you've given hours of your free time to help that person, but now you have other obligations, and you have to you have to fulfill them. Perhaps your neighbor has suffered a tragic loss or a fire to someone that you know and you've offered time but you still find yourself that you that you can't continue to do that and the guilt starts to get to you and you try to figure out ways to help despite it's taking your toll it's toll on you and i s- saw the term compassion fatigue to capture that particular feeling of burnout because you're giving, giving, and you wanna give more but you still have your obligations and then you feel guilty about not being able to give. So it's termed as compassion burnout. And it's typically used to describe professional helpers but it can occur among anyone who offers continual support to others in need. And it can be an emotional drain in the situation because you're feeling the empathy of the person who needs the help in addition to the guilt that you put on top of it and the fatigue because you think you should be doing more. And you can decide or not whether you want to continue to make the sacrifices needed to help these individuals, but it's important to separate your desires to help from the guilt you feel because it will overwhelm you if you don't. Acting out of guilt can only drain you further and ultimately make you less effective as a helper. That reminds me again of that that image of being in the airplane and the oxygen tanks coming down, that you really need to have your oxygen first in order to be able to help others. And guilt cause number five, the guilt that you're doing better than someone else. The experience of survivor guilt is one recognized by professionals who work with combat veterans who outlive their fellow troops. Survival kilt also occurs when people who lose families, friends, or neighbors in disasters remain untouched or at least alive. And it applies not only to people who live when others in the same situation have died. It can also have to do with family and friends if you are the first person to go to college in your family it's a sort of survivor's guilt that you're doing better than anyone in the family but your families want you to do well the students themselves feel guilty that they're getting opportunities that their parents or siblings may not have gotten and in that case to protect the family members they may engage in self-destructive behaviors that ensure that they won't make it in school for example and logic would dictate that the family really didn't want the student to, to fail. That they want them to succeed because it brings honor to the family. But the logic is lost on the student due to that survivor guilt. And your own failure will not bring somebody back to life. It won't make others who love you feel better about themselves. It's a matter of gaining the inspiration from the knowledge that your efforts are a tribute to them. So at least you know you're giving yourself the shot at success that they would want you to have. And I'm just looking at the time before I move on to the next subject. That's probably a good time for us to take a break. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back and move on to the next next part of guilt. Be right back. For those of you who are retired or close to it, have you taken the time to conduct a safe withdrawal rate analysis? If you're like me, you've spent a lifetime saving for retirement and now you want to make sure that it lasts. Few things are more important to the long-term success of your financial plan than choosing an appropriate withdrawal rate and establishing that rate early on can make all the difference. The investment advisors at North Star Asset Management in Panther Valley can help you determine what withdrawal rate is right for you. They've been working with retirees in the area for the past 30 years for more information the number to call is 908-850-9991 that's 908-850-9991 or find them on the web at nstarinvest.com
0: and now back to here's the thing a show that's all about you on wold and your host lauren cardinal a board certified hypnotist and results coach If you'd like to speak to Lauren, you can call in at 732-748-1079. That's 732-748-1079. Let's get back to the show with your host, Lauren Cardinal.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Here's the Thing. I'm your host, Lauren Cardinal, board-certified hypnotist and results coach. And tonight we're talking about guilt and resentment. and working through them to get to the other side. If you experience guilt or resentment either on a daily basis, every so often, something that you're working through, can't quite get through it, the lines are open, give a call. Let's talk through it. 732-748-1079. That's 732-748-1079. So, guilt. Because guilt typically occurs in little bursts or brief signals. We have a flash or a thought of guilt if we're not ruminating about it. If we're just getting those little bursts, we often underestimate the rather significant role it plays in our daily lives. So I bring up these facts because you might be surprised to learn some of these things about guilt. So I want to mention 10 things, 10 possibly surprising facts about guilt. Number one, guilt can protect our relationships. And that goes back to one of the benefits that we might experience from a little bit of guilt. In essence, guilt is like a signal that keeps going off in your head until you take the appropriate action. Like, um, it's Julie's birthday. I have to remember to give her a call. Each signal might be brief, but taken together. They can add up such that, number two, we experience five hours a week of guilty feelings. One study found that if you add up all of the moments you spend feeling mildly or moderately guilty, it adds up to a pretty significant chunk of time. I would say five hours per week is a significant chunk of time. And this is especially important because while guilt can be useful in small doses, number three, unresolved guilt is like having a snooze alarm in your head that won't shut off. If you had a snooze alarm that never shut off, it would be hard to concentrate because your attention would be constantly hogged by bursts of guilty feelings. Think about that, that snooze alarm. I'm sure my husband can relate because I hit the snooze alarm frequently. <laughs> and if it keeps going off, even in terms of sleep, you go to sleep, the snooze alarm. You go to sleep, the snooze alarm. You're not getting the solid sleep just as if the guilt is a snooze alarm in your brain. You're not getting that focused attention, that concentration because it keeps coming up. And it's not uncommon for guilt to persist over lengthy periods of time. But unresolved guilt can have extremely detrimental effects because number four, guilty feelings make it difficult to think straight. When guilty feelings compete for your attention with the demands of work, School and life in general, guilt usually wins. Studies have found that concentration, productivity, creativity, and efficiency are all significantly lower when you're feeling actively guilty. And it's not only that guilt makes it hard to function, but number five, guilt makes us reluctant to enjoy life. Even mild guilt can make you hesitant to embrace the joys of life, whether it's that survivor's guilt or not. In one study, college students were made to feel guilty and then given a choice of free items they could get for their participation. Students who were not made to feel guilty chose movie DVDs and music downloads, while guilty students chose school supplies. Again, these students only felt mildly guilty but the guilty feelings might make you choose to skip a party, to not celebrate your birthday, or mope around during your vacation without being able to enjoy it. But for some people, guilt can do even worse damage. Number six, guilt can make you self-punish. It reminds me of, if any of you, if you've seen the, uh, the Harry Potter movies, I think it was the fourth one. I'm not sure. There was a character in it named Dobby. And Dobby was a how self. And every time he made a mistake or did something wrong, he would inflict physical harm on himself. I remember at one point in one of the movies, I think he ironed his hands because he forgot to pick something up or something along those lines. Um, but the Dobby effect is a phenomenon named after the head banging. How self in the Harry Potter series. It refers to a psychological tendency for people to use self-punishment to ward off feelings of guilt. In one study, students who were made to feel guilty by depriving another student of lottery tickets that were only worth a few dollars, they were actually willing to give themselves electric shocks to signal their remorse. It's not always ourselves we punish when we feel guilty, though. Guilt can make you avoid the person you've wronged. Even though you might have already caused someone harm, you might unwittingly make matters worse by distancing yourself from that person because of the guilt you feel around them. Have you felt that before? I think I I hear multiple occasions when there's an instance of two people and something happened whether it was an argument or just an experience that may have been misinterpreted somehow. But after that experience, which is a little different, perhaps, there's distance between the two individuals. And it very well could be a result of guilt and not wanting to address that, to open up the dialogue about it. It almost feels safer to keep that inside and feel that guilt and just avoid Just avoid. The tendency to avoid guilt can even extend to more distantly related people and to locations and things. Like, that's the restaurant where I had that awful experience and I never go there anymore. So guilt can make you avoid the person you've wronged is number seven. Number eight, guilt-prone people assume they've harmed others when they haven't. And this goes back to what we discussed previously, just a little bit earlier, that when your trigger for feeling guilty feelings is set too low, your guilt alarm goes off when it shouldn't. As a result, you end up feeling guilty about impacting others adversely when you actually haven't. And it's not a minor issue. By overinterpreting people's disapproval when it's not there, you're exposing yourself to constant stress and unnecessary stress and impacting your own quality of life. And when we think about stress, we've talked about that before, the guilt and the stress. Remember that guilt is in that, that trio of sad emotions, loneliness, sadness. And when you couple that with stress, it's easy to see how it could lead to feelings of loneliness or feelings of sadness, probably feelings of depression Whether it's full-blown diagnosed depression by a medical professional or your therapist, but guilt with that stress, it's not a healthy combination. And guilty feelings can make you feel literally heavier and more belabored. That's nine. Studies found that feeling guilty makes people assess their weight as being significantly heavier than it actually is. And physical activities as requiring significantly more effort than their counterparts, the non-guilty people do. When you have feelings of guilt, how do you feel in your body? Are your experiences the same? I know they are for me. Whether it's, it's that guilt from what I perceive as might be harm to someone else. Or whether it's... Knowing that I need to make amends and feeling guilty until I do. That getting up and going, that movement, that activity level—it's just hindered slightly. And it's—it's it's funny that it's ironic that it often guilt has that um, that figurative image of being a weight, carrying that weight on your shoulders, that guilt on your shoulders, when people experience it literally as a weight making it more difficult to move and number 10 guilt trips make you feel guilty but also resentful people who give guilt trips to others do so in order to control or manipulate their behavior but they rarely consider the amount of resentment the guilt trip provokes in the other person so while saying something like you never call me might get a person to call you in that moment It will also make them less likely to want to call you in the future. This is why guilt trips are more harmful to relationships than most guilt trippers realize. It reminds me of the quote I just saw it, I was in preparing for the show. I like to include the quotes, as you know. And I came across one that says, I don't remember buying tickets for this guilt trip. So it kind of made me chuckle. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Here's the Thing. I'm your host, Lauren Cardinal board-certified hypnotist and results coach, and tonight we're talking about guilt and resentment and working through them to get to the other side. We've talked about guilt, five main areas of guilt, and ten somewhat surprising facts about guilt. And now we're moving into the resentment part of it. If you feel guilt or resentment on any level and want to talk through it, walk through it, get to the other side, the lines are open. Give a call, 732 1079. I know this is uh, information-packed hour, so you might be in a position where you just want to listen. But if you want to process something, you can just give a call now. We can talk about it now, or even off the air. 732-748-1079. So we've talked a lot about guilt. That last one, the guilt trip. I think it's used far more than we even realize. The guilt trip, and it leads to resentment. So let's talk about resentment. Resentment is a mixture of disappointment, anger, fear, and oftentimes, I believe, it's involved with stress as well. And it's a combination of the emotions of disgust, sadness, and surprise, the perception of injustice. And as the surprise of injustice becomes less frequent, the anger and fear may start to fade. And what's left is the disappointment as the predominant emotion. And resentment can be triggered by an emotionally disturbing experience and then felt again or relived in the mind, which I think we all know through experience, reliving an experience in our minds. And resentment can result from a variety of situations. A perceived wrongdoing, which is a guilt trip. An injustice or humiliation, whether it's public or private. A humiliation can be a guilt trip. Regular discrimination or prejudice. Envy or jealousy. Feeling used or taken advantage of by others. Having achievements go unrecognized while others succeed without working as hard. Deliberate embarrassment or belittling by another person ignorance being put down or scorned by another person I think to a certain level we probably can all relate to every single one of these things and how it can invoke resentment and I want to take a moment to distinguish between resentment and spite because I think the two are often I don't know about confused but possibly interchanged and resentment and spite differ primarily in the way that they're expressed Resentment is unique in that it almost exclusively is internalized. We feel it inside, where it can do further emotional and psychological damage, but doesn't strongly impact the other person who is resented. And again, it reminds me of another quote, which I think I've, I've actually mentioned in another show, that resentments are like swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. Because it's all internal and it festers and it can build and it causes further emotional and psychological damage without affecting the other person. And interestingly, two weeks ago we did the show about uh, addiction. And Alcoholics Anonymous organization cites that resentment is the number one offender and one of the greatest threats to an alcoholic. And it's a Several of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous involve identifying and dealing with resentment as part of the path towards recovery, including acknowledging one's own role in resentment and praying for the resentment to be taken away as part of that 12-step process of Alcoholics Anonymous. Resentment and anger often go hand in hand and are equally toxic. They're equally toxic emotions that may make people feel in control yet they're actually giving up control to others. And ironically, that's what I say in hypnotherapy. Oftentimes people think that hypnotherapy, I'm getting tangential here, people think that hypnotherapy is giving up control, that the hypnotherapist is is controlling the mind. But actually, without giving a qualified 100%, I would say at least 99% of the time, my clients come in because they feel that they've lost control in some aspect of their lives. And hypnotherapy actually gives them back control. So resentment and anger are two other examples of where people feel like they're in control or they're feeling those feelings because it gives them a feeling like they're in control, but they're actually not. They're giving it up to the people who they're angry with or resentful towards. So what can we do about these feelings of guilt or resentment and resentment possibly? People, friends, family, co-workers, when we open up about a resentment that we're feeling, they may tell us, oh, just get over it already. You're being too sensitive. Just get over it already. We may hear, let it go. Or how about, the past is in the past. Just forget about it. Those suggestions are great in theory, but helpful? Mm, Not so much. I think the best thing that we can do in dealing with resentment is to understand our own part, our own choices in the situations for which we have the resentment. I've come to be able to identify resentment much more easily now in myself when it starts to bubble up and therefore quite likely can easily recognize it in others more as well. And knowing how destructive it is, I will easily call people out on it. It's often too destructive to let it fester. It needs to be addressed. And what do I mean by that? Well, I'll give you an example. And there are many. Understandably, we tend to prefer to hold on to resentments than face our own involvement in the situation. By doing so, we avoid the possibility of needing to confront someone, which can be uncomfortable, or delve into uncharted territory which can certainly invoke feelings of fear, but getting honest about a situation, really honest, is the best way to plow through it. So an example. Uh, It was several years ago. I was speaking to a woman, and she had suffered a a physical experience. I don't know whether it was a stroke, but it was something that put her in the hospital. I don't think it was as, as serious as a stroke. And the reason why I'm not sure about it, that part of it, is because I remember focusing on what she said right after that. She was talking about her family members, and she said, oh, yeah, they did it to me. By doing this and by doing this and by doing this, they did it to me. They put me in that situation. They put me in the hospital. And I just felt the need to address it address it at that point because that resentment she was feeling was palpable. I mean, I could feel it. So... I delved into it a little bit with her, but obviously she was in a pretty raw state, so I did back off. But I started asking the questions about kind of why didn't she say anything? Because it was her accepting it, that accepting those feelings, accepting those emotions that actually were what did that to her. So another example that I thought of was more recent with um, a teenager that I was speaking with and she was talking about her high school situation and not wanting to go back for her senior year it was just a miserable experience the people that she was seeing every day and feeling those that resentment that she had to be there she had to be there she had to go through it she was miserable but she had to do it so I offered up to her well what about not going you could run away you could go live on a beach in the Dominican Republic you could Just not go. There's so many other things that you could do. What about that? And she said, well, no, I think I should go because of this and because of this and because of this. Oh, okay. So what you're saying then is that staying in school is your choice. And by understanding it as a choice, it relieves that resentment. She owns it. That was her choice to stay there. So that's what I mean about getting honest. So what else can we do? I found a four-step process to help let go of resentments. And this is from a writer named Jessica Ruane. And I'll go through this quickly. So step one is making a list of all the people that you have resentment towards. And just be honest. It could include anything. Step two is next to the person's name, write what they did to cause you to resent them. Nothing is too small. If it's your boss, maybe it's unreasonable deadlines. Whatever it is, just be honest about it. Step three is to write what part of your life each resentment affects. A teacher might affect confidence, for example. The point is to become acutely aware of the specific ways the resentment is impacting your ability to feel safe and secure and loved. And step four, next to the reason, write down your part. And this is the part that can be a little uncomfortable where we can get stuck but it's also the place where you get most honest. And it's the part where you write down how you've contributed to the problem. Going back to the boss example, you've already established that you resent him or her for unreasonable deadlines, but your part may be that you never spoke up about it. This is where your honesty and getting real about it come into play, and understanding the choices that you've made along the way. I have another example that just came to mind about um, a woman that I've spoken with who complains about her marriage and it always being her husband, her husband, her husband. And then she realized that she made the choice, knowing the personality traits, she made the choice to marry that that man. So she was willing to accept that part of it in herself. She was honest. She got honest about it. And after you get all that down, if you read from left to right, you can get a clearer picture of how it all comes together and what your triggers really are. Remember, you've got to name it to tame it. And it can help you transition out of your head with resentment, without of fear and anger, and instead make progress on different responses instead. So there's no doubt that guilt is a complex and interesting emotion. You can't live a completely guilt-free life, but you can keep it within manageable bounds. Guilt in and of itself isn't a destructive emotion, but if you let it become all-consuming, it can get the best or the worst of you. Forgiveness can be a big part of what we deal with in order to get past it, forgiveness for ourselves or for others, because it lets you be freer. Hypnotherapy can be a great way to help you move through the feelings of guilt and resentment to a place of forgiveness and understanding and getting back in control of your emotions. I will always encourage you to seek out the help of a therapist or your medical provider, and it's no different with this topic, particularly if you experience guilt or resentment to the extent that it affects your daily life, or if you experience depression, anxiety from feelings of guilt, or if your resentment has taken over your life. I'll finish with a couple of quotes. Resentments are like unease, anxiety, tension, stress, and worry. All forms of fear are caused by too much future and not enough presence. Guilt, regret, resentment, grievances, sadness, bitterness, and all forms of non-forgiveness are caused by too much past and not enough presence. That's Eckhart Tolle. In closing, I would like to thank my sponsor, North Star Asset Management. I would like to thank Jerry for calling in. And I would like to thank you for joining me. Set your calendar and tune in next week live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You don't want to miss the show. We're going to be talking about the power of decluttering. Until then, keep it light. Smile and enjoy. Good night. For those of you who are retired or close to it, have you taken the time to conduct a safe withdrawal rate analysis? If you're like me, you've spent a lifetime saving for retirement and now you want to make sure that it lasts. Few things are more important to the long-term success of your financial plan than choosing an appropriate withdrawal rate and establishing that rate early on can make all the difference. The investment advisors at North Star Asset Management in Panther Valley can help you determine what withdrawal rate is right for you. They've been working with retirees in the area for the past 30 years for more information the number to call is 908-850-9991 that's 908-850-9991 or find them on the web at nstarinvest.com
0: the views and opinions heard on the preceding program are not necessarily those of the staff and management of oldies 1079 wold or srn communications